So we're going to talk about hope today. And what many people consider as an end or hopelessness, I believe God is going to show us through his word that he is constant. That his word, it secures us and allows us to be confident in what he said. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, I hope you're there. You can read along with me says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You have a reason to hope today. You have a reason to hope. And Peter encourages us, always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to, for the reason why you're so hopeful. One word. You want to keep it simple? Jesus. Isn't that what Christmas is all about anyway? Jesus. Come on, close your eyes, take your right hand, put it on your heart. Think of Jesus, his faithfulness. I love that song that we sang just a few moments ago. Man, God has been so evident this year. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, that you have always been with us and you've never left us to be all alone but Lord you were always there in every detail even when we didn't understand what was happening around us God you remain constant faithfulness we're, we're grateful people come on repeat after me eyes to see come on eyes to see ears to hear a heart to receive and a mouth to confess all of the good things Christ has provided for me. If you believe that, come on. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Well, 2020, I believe, I'm kind of tired talking about what it was and what it brought. But some words just to describe 2020 as we see this year out. Is uh, 2020 has been described as unprecedented, unpredict unpredictable. Some of us may say that it was disruptive in our plans, right? And with it brought all kind of confusion and chaos. There was economic recession. There was unemployment. There was, come on, more than ever political division. There was racial tension. There was record wildfires in the West. There was floods. And even now we're talking about alien monoliths that are popping up throughout the world. We're talking about aliens now. Did I miss anything? Hear me. That stuff was in your life, including all the other things that you and I deal with each and every year. I'm talking about mental and emotional challenges that we face. Relational challenges. What about financial challenges, right? Physical challenges, even so much more. It's no wonder 2020 has been considered or called the year of anxiety. I've talked to so many amazing, wonderful, precious people who call Calvary Church North Fort Worth home. And all I hear is anxious thoughts, anxiety, confusion, worry. Now get it, because myself and I, my wife and I, we've dealt with those anxious thoughts this year. We've dealt with worry this year. We've dealt with loss and heartache and 
and pain this year. So this Christmas is like a breath of fresh air. Because if there's ever a year that you and I need to celebrate Christmas, hey, it's this year, right? If there's ever a year we need the hope of Christmas, it is this year. If there's ever a year that we need to laser focus in on Christ, it is this year. It's this year. And so it's a good thing that you made it to Christmas. Or I'm going to say it like this. It's a good thing that you have hope in your heart after all that here at Christmas with hope in your heart. <laughs> I love it because whenever my wife and I, we're, we're, we're showing our kids now movies that we were into when we were kids. And every movie has a message of hope, right? Like every Christmas movie has that message of hope. No, no matter how ridiculous it is, like Elf, at the end of it, there's still hope. People are singing together. It's amazing. There's a Christmas miracle. And there's hope. Well, that happened for me when I was watching Home Alone. It's as if I was hearing there's hope. There's always hope. I don't know what you went through this year in 2020. There's some good things that happened. And there are some things that we lost and things that changed in our life. I don't know what happened in your life. But it's as if God today is whispering to us, there's hope. There's always hope. And no matter what is happening around you, the confident believer, the expectation of a believer is to see goodness in things that we have no business seeing goodness in. Do you know what hope is? A lot of people define hope as something that they hope for, as a wishful thinking. But do you want to know what hope is? Remember, hope is a rope that links you to a truth not yet experienced, which means, I'll say it like this, that your hope connects you to something that God is leading you to. You don't see it with your natural eye, but the fact that you have hope calls out to you to move forward to get up another day, to praise his name, to believe, to declare things over your own life. That hope is a rope that is connecting us to what God is calling us to. And so you have to understand this Christmas, you can live with hope. What is hope? Remember, hope is a confident and joyful expectation that good things will happen to you. Wow. To have a joyful expectations of good things happening to me. And listen, because these truths are our reality, we need to ruminate on these. Meaning that we need to think on these things. Because when the times get tough, hear me. When the times get tough and you can't see hope, you're going to need to learn to heed. You're going to need to lean into these things right here. So let's talk about them real quick. And we're going to learn how to not to be disappointed, but to find hope even in the disappointments, okay? Number one, I hope you take your Calvary app and you write notes. Number one, God is your father. God is your father. He's your father. He's just not your father, but he's considered a good father. God has adopted you into his family. 
I'll say like this, that you were once on the outside, but he brought you in close. What does that mean? Many of us grew up with the understanding that if I could just be a doorkeeper at the, in the Lord's house, I'll be fine. And that will satisfy me. Hear me. No, it won't. <laughs> Some of us spent an entire life trying to do that and think that that was enough. But understand it's different when you understand that you are a son and a daughter in God's kingdom. He adopted you into his family, right? So you're not a soldier. You're not a servant but you're a son and a daughter. Romans 5.5 5 says like this, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit, which I know a lot of us here understand that whenever we receive Christ's life, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. And because you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? His love has been poured out to you. That is the evidence that God loves you. That is the evidence of no matter what you experience as a disappointment this year. And many of us have. There's always a hope. And the hope I want you to tie yourself to is that God loves you. It's interesting because the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans is tied up with the love of God. The safest place that you can land after your heart has been hurt, where's it at? It's in the love of God. It doesn't matter what has happened in my life or what challenge that I face, y'all. I'm telling you, the place, the safest place I land is God loves me. Not everything is going to go our way. But hear me, God's love secures me. It allows me to move forward. It allows me to find confidence in the life that I've been given right here, right now. And so could it be that the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is to establish in our hearts is that God, who is our Father, loves us. Because along, hear me, the Holy Spirit, a lot of us look at the Holy Spirit as the sheriff of heaven town. I mean that he's going to come down on you and say, hey, change the way, the way you're doing things because I'm the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is there to be evidence of God's love, to remind you of his unending love, his unconditional love, that whatever the circumstance may have been, that circumstance does not dictate who you are or how you're loved by God, that God's love is the safest place that you will ever find yourself in and hear me, you may have lost your job, you may have lost someone, but if you can say, Jesus loves me, this I know. That, that kid's song that we used to sing only as a kid, can I tell you there's so much depth to it today. It, it, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And if you can, if you can land on that, do you know what you can say? And I believe that I'll get a better job tomorrow. I believe that I'll find healing tomorrow. I believe that God is going to provide for me. Listen, do you see it? When you believe that God loves you, you'll have a positive expectation of good. You'll have a positive expectation of good. Jesus brings good news about the Father. What's the good news that you and I have been given? It's the good news that you have a good Father who loves you. 
Jesus doesn't bring any bad news. He brings good news. The angels, when they saw the wise men, they said, bring you tidings and good news for all people. Good news of a Savior that he is going to be born today. And listen, that good news is still evident in our lives today. You have to understand that when Jesus showed up on the scene, he was exact image of who God was. Jesus, being love and grace, was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. This is who we tie our hope to. Number two, write this down. Nothing can separate you from the Father's love. How are we going to stay in hope? Right here. Nothing can separate you from the Father's love. Hey, in this world, you're going to suffer your mistakes. In this life, there's going to be some things that you have to deal with because of the decisions that you make. But hear me, some of us have been fired. Some of us have even been rejected. Some of us have even been forgotten or divorced. But your father will never write you off. He'll never write you off, no matter what you have done. How can I say that? Don't take my word. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, 39 says it like this. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing living or dead, hear me, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus has embraced us. If you're glad for that, come on, you can give Jesus some praise because that's good news for you and I. Nothing can separate you from his love. Number three, write this down. You are one with Christ. You're one with Christ. I I used to believe that, you know, when we say in Christ, we've talked about this in gospel circle. When we say in Christ, I used to picture an object and placing the object in my pocket. I'm in Christ, right? I'm sheltered and protected from everything out there. Do you know what I've learned? That in Christ is his life and it's my life. He's, he spoke about it in the New Testament of being a branch and a vine. And so when you look at a branch and a vine, you can't see where the beginning or the end is. There's nobody hiding behind anybody. And there's a connection there. In Christ for us literally means like this, woven together. Woven together. That when God sees our lives, he can't see the end of Jesus and he can't see the end of me. That's good news for us today because so many of us grew up in a day and age, especially in church, where we separated things, secular and sacred. Holy things belong over here and, 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 and secular things, things not of God, right? My alone time and I hear rap music, right? I'll put that over here. But on Sunday And maybe Monday, possibly Tuesday, I'll keep it over here. Hear me. God wants to be involved in all of it. It's his life anyway that has been given to you. So this means that the expression that I have, the Christ-like expression, the way I reveal Jesus to the world, is not just reserved, y'all, for the church, the building. But I can take this thing everywhere. Why? Why? Because I'm not an object that's hidden. 
I'm more woven together with this life. Are you getting this? And so because of that, you are one with Christ. And the believer who is assured of his union with the Lord will have a strong, hear me, confidence because of the Lord's future. You can find confidence because wouldn't you agree that Jesus has a great future? It's not a trick question. Jesus has a great future, y'all. He's alive. He has a great future. I don't see him losing anytime soon, right? Even when the economy kind of goes down, I don't see Jesus losing anytime soon. Meaning this, that Jesus wins. He wins. All he does is win, win, win. That's all he does. And so hear me that if you're in Christ, which you are, you know what your future looks like? Your future looks like Jesus' future. You, you know what I can say now that I have an understanding of the new covenant? You're good at walking out the will of God. Now, that's going to be radical and maybe, maybe a shift for you in your mind, but you have to understand you're good at walking God's will out. God's will is not a place. It's not a career. It's not a destination. It's a person. You're good at walking God's will out. Every day, you're walking it out. And hear me, his will is that you overcome. His will is that you have hope. His will is that whatever tries to take you under is not going to take you under because you're good at walking God's will out. And if you're glad for that, give him some praise. Come on. So we need to get this because Christ's future is my future. As I look into my future, I can know that I will overcome because as Jesus wins, and as Jesus is in this life, so are we. Number four, write this down. In Christ, you are eternally secure. Eternally secure. When you know the love of your heavenly Father, hear me, you're going to find security in that. When you know the love of the Father for you, you're going to be convinced that you are one with him and you will have no fear of failing or being cast away. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I'll say it again that the Lord's future is your future. <laughs> 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. You can give thanks that your destination, whatever that looks like, whatever that end looks like, is secure. Why? Because it's been given to you by his grace. Number five, I want you to write this down. This is the reasons why we can find hope. God helps you in your helplessness. Talk to anybody, and you will conclude that all of us have had moments where we felt helpless. My wife and I, we've talked about it. Moments where we've just felt helpless. You're talking about the first three weeks of quarantine with our kids where we had to be teachers? Yep, helpless. <laughs> but some of us have dealt with Serious situations where we have felt helpless. And so, Pastor, you're telling me that God helps me and my help? That's cute. That's cute and all, but don't you know that I got to find a way to pay bills and feed these kids? Don't you know that I'm done feeling the way that I feel, that 
don't you know that there's got to be something that I can hold on to? What does this mean for me that God helps me in my helplessness? What does this mean? Well, for us today, you have to understand that when we read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll see that Jesus was talking to anxious people. We, see, we, we're in the, under the belief that anxiety is only reserved for the, 20, the 20th century. Nope, anxiety was even probably in the people, in the people's lives of that day. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, when he was talking to them, he was dealing with people that felt anxious. Why were they anxious? Well, they wanted food. Why were they anxious? They were dealing with fraud, people that were stealing their taxes, right? Why, why, why were they anxious? Well, there was a Roman government that was trying to o- oppress them. But look at what Jesus does. I love Jesus. Remember, the gospel is simple. You take it at its word, just like a child. Look at what Jesus does. You know what Jesus does to answer all this anxiety? Here we go. He gives them hope. He gives them hope. He says, hey, don't be like those pagans who worry about this stuff. What stuff? Food? Crop failures? Money taken out of my pocket? And a bad government? Don't be pagans who worry about all this stuff for the God who feeds the animals will feed you. See how he gave them hope? You have to understand that Jesus, when he gives hope to us, he says something, shows us something speaks through another person so that we can take our eyes off the dilemma, off of the problem, and turn it toward the promise. (laughs) He gave them hope. And so Jesus gave them hope. Then he gives them food. So he meets a practical need. But then he also meets a spiritual need. He feeds the 5,000, then feeds the 4,000. He addresses that physical hunger as well as that deep spiritual hunger. He, by saying, I am the bread of life. So the faith that you need for today comes from the bright hope that you have tomorrow. Listen, and hope comes from love, knowing that he unconditionally loves you and I. And listen, we can whine about it. We can complain about stuff. We can call this year unprecedented, but I believe there were some unprecedented times when my parents were growing up, things that they never faced. But I'm under the the belief that as a new covenant believer, Jesus still reigns. And if Jesus still reigns, then his focus is on the church, which is you. And if his focus is on you, then you're going to be more than okay. You're going to, more than make it, you're going to come out on top and you're going to brag about what Jesus did. You're going to speak about his faithfulness. You're going to declare to the next generation, to your kids and their kids, that God allowed me to overcome. Here's the last one. God believes in you. I don't think I heard that this year. I believe in you. 
God believes in you. God not only takes care of your present needs. Hear me though. He nurtures your unrealized dreams. Things that you cannot see yet with your natural eye, but you know it's real because it's in your heart. He allows you to realize those things. Remember that your heart, your hope, is tied to what God's calling you to. Did you know that my wife and I are walking in certain things today that we felt in our heart two years ago, three years ago, five years ago? I'm going to be the first one to say, I can't tell you how I got here. (laughs) I, I can't tell you what moves I made to get here, to be thankful through all of it. I can't tell you. The reality is, is that grace not only saves you, grace keeps you right there in the middle of the turmoil and the trouble. It keeps you. (laughs) But it also carries you. Because when I don't have enough faith to move forward or enough energy to move forward, It's faith, it's grace that carries me to the next chapter of what it is. Do you know what that's called? Unconditional love. Many people would want you to acknowledge that you're helping them. I help you so... At least, can I get a thank you? This year, can I tell you, grace has carried me, and there have been moments where I've forgotten to say thank you. Grace carried me anyway. Hey, there's going to be moments where you forget to say thank you, but God's love is so much greater that he carries you anyway. Because he knows at the end of the day, when you realize it, you're going to give thanks. <laughs> you're going to say, it wasn't me or my strength. It wasn't my ability. But God allowed me to experience His grace. And even though there was trouble, I won. You see, because in the world's point of view, they say that you lost. They'll say that you're going to (laughs) lose. Do you know that Good Friday? Good Friday is only considered good because there was an Easter Sunday. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you need to understand that Good Friday is what you're in. But your hope is calling you to that Easter Sunday. There is a resurrection. There is an awakening. There is another day. There is a hope that you're called to. 
First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 7 says this, love always hopes. Oh, this the greatest place that I can be is remaining in his love for me. You want to keep on hoping? You want to be able to look past the hurts and the things of 2020 and look ahead? You want to be grateful this Christmas season? Remain in love. Remain in love because in that place you're going to find hope. I believe for the remaining moments we have, I, I just say we, we contemplate on that hope a little bit. Let's think about that hope. I'm going to ask the host if you can pass out communion for those that are feel comfortable with taking it. Our worship team is going to help us focus on hope or on Mr. Hope today. And go ahead and take that communion. Hold it right there. We're going to come together in just a few minutes. And let's remember why we have the constant and living and eternal hope today. So what's our part in all of this? What's your role in this as we cling on to hope? It's this, guard your hope. The hope that you've been given, guard it. Guard your heart, guard your hope. Guard what you have been given. Why? Because the worries of today will try to take that hope from you. But in a simple tree, it reminds us that this is the season of hope. That there's a new chapter turning. That your life won't be the same today than it will be tomorrow. There's hope. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says it like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Hey, hold on to it, child of God. And how can you hold on to it? Why can you have confidence? Because the one who gave you that promise is faithful. (laughs) Full of faith. All of us have had our hope damaged this year but you could still remain full of hope and some of you may even ask well in this Christmas time I didn't hear anything about baby Jesus and, and the major and the wise men what, what about all that what, where's that at it's Christmas time well can I tell you I, I want to encourage you today that We can look at the manger, but we also have to notice the empty tomb. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world so that you could have his life and that you can constantly reign over the things that come against you. Just a simple question. Which Jesus are we trusting in? Are we trusting in the baby Jesus who is lying in the manger? that we see each Christmas? Are we trusting in the Jesus who is friend of sinners? Are we trusting in the Jesus who died on the cross for the the sins of the world? 
Which Jesus are you and I going to trust in? Well, I want to encourage you today. Hopefully you don't trust in any of those. Hopefully you trust in the alive Jesus and the resurrected Jesus and the one that lives for you, advocates for you, is prompting you, guarding you, guiding you, and giving you today. So hear me, this this message is not just simply for Easter, but it is the message for the ones that hold on to hope. Because he lives, so do I. Because he wins, so do we. Because he continues to advance. Child of God, so do you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 14 says that if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing and your faith is useless. So aren't you glad today that Jesus is co-seated in heavenly places today, that he is alive and he is reigning and his future is your future. If you're glad for that, you can give him some praise. Hear me, because a gospel that proclaims the major but no resurrection is no gospel at all. A gospel which proclaims the cross but does not declare the resurrection is no gospel at all. A gospel which proclaims a baby Jesus or a dead Jesus but not a living Jesus, an all-conquering and ruling and reigning king, hear me, is no gospel at all. It has to declare that he reigns and that he rules. For for one moment, can you just close your eyes and fix your attention on Jesus this morning? Thank you, Lord. Who is your hope? Your hope is found in a resurrected Christ, a Christ that is alive today. That's why there's always hope. Do you know why we could always hope? Because he lives. Because he is your father, your heavenly father, which He declares over you and reminds you that he rules and he reigns. So while you may suffer for a season, his purpose, his promise will always prevail. It's for your good. There's always hope. Do you know why? There's always hope because Jesus died for your sins to justify you. What does that even mean? That he he made you righteous. His righteousness, which means today you have peace with God. You relate to God in a whole new, different way. Why is there hope in our lives today? Because Jesus is considered the comforter, the advocate, the helper. He sent you the Holy Spirit, and he's made his home in you today, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember, you have been woven into the great tapestry of God's love. There's no escaping it. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know why we can hope today? Why we can always move forward in hope? Because we're the church. You're the church. Not a building, but a collective group of people who believe in the message of Jesus' finished work that express his life everywhere we go. Our family, our friends, they see Jesus in us. That's why we could always hope because as we continue to express his life, hey, you can keep going. Child of God, you can keep going. If you've been hurt, you can keep going. Because of hope, you can keep going. You can keep loving. You can keep reaching out. Church, you can keep living 
and you can keep hoping. I declare over all of my friends today that hope is the theme of our days. It's a living hope. It's a hope that points us back to his promise. You've been so good, Jesus. You've been so good, and I'm grateful.